0: Welcome to a Healing Peace Podcast. We strive to create a place where women can come together to talk, grow, be refreshed, and renewed as we navigate life's hurdles. Inside this podcast series, we discuss shaping our identity, where we provide tools for conquering life's waves. Let's dive in. let's get started in our previous episode i discussed having eyes that see being able to see leads us from darkness to light god equips us by showing himself in our hearts to give us light and understanding of him but sometimes however satan wants to pull us back into darkness despite god's redemptive efforts One area where darkness may consume us is when we deal with depression. Depression forces us to live in darkness. It is a lonely, dark place. It is a place where Satan attacks our minds and emotions. Even though our minds may slip, God's gift and calling never changes. Satan wants us to believe that it does so that we remain in darkness. We may become unwilling to approach God out of fear and shame. Today, I have someone reading a woman's journey to healing from depression. I am grateful for this woman who had the courage to share her journey with us. You can also go to our website, ahealingpeace.com, and read her story in the our story section under resources. And ladies, for those who are dealing with depression, please do not suffer in silence but go get help. Ask God for courage to move beyond the shadows of depression. For those who may have dealt with depression or know someone who had depression or is dealing with it now, I hope what you hear will encourage and strengthen your spirits.
1: I remember the first time I became aware that I was depressed. It was my fifth year as a Christian. It felt like being confined in a cold, dark well. No one could hear me scream. No one knew the depth of my pain I felt in my loneliness. I couldn't understand why I felt this way when I was saved. I was taught that with God, my life would be great. I was taught that if I'm spiritual, I won't struggle with sadness or loneliness. I must be missing some truth in the scriptures. That's why I'm not happy. I tried to fix these dark feelings by serving others, studying the Bible with people, praying, memorizing scriptures, everything that my spiritual mentors and church leaders told me will cure depression. Being busy Help me stuff the unhappiness for a while, but then it will come back, especially when I was stressed. So my life as a Christian was a roller coaster of exhilaration, when God answered prayer, and despair when the exhilaration wore off. In the next 15 years, I continued to have these feelings. In fact. My depression got worse as I got older. As my dream of getting married and having my own family slowly died. As my dream of professional success became unreachable. 25 years after my baptism, I was a shell of the young woman who was full of hope and dreams in Christ. In 2012, I went to a career counselor to seek help With reinventing my career. She ended up putting me on suicide watch, yet I was not completely surprised. By this time, I have been living with a low grade depression for decades. By low grade depression, I mean without being prescribed antidepressants. The only source of joy for me at this time in my life was thoughts of seeing God when I died. To me, Death was better than having to live daily with the undescribable pain of failure, unworthiness, and rejection. Throughout this time, I never stopped going to church and participating in all aspects of the Christian community. In my darkness, I clung to David's faithful assertion in Psalm 27, verse 13. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The church that I was a part of was not spiritually or emotionally in tune with what I was struggling with. People talked behind my back, describing me as always critical and negative. A married brother accused me of being desperate to get married. Even the evangelist publicly stated that depression is a sin. The negative judgment from the Fellowship of Christians was like salt on my wounds. Their hurtful words further annihilated me. I stopped being open to people about my struggles and distanced myself from many of my peers. Then one day, while having another of my daily depression prayer time, I thought, if Jesus can raise the dead, why can't he heal me? So at that moment, I directed my prayer to Jesus. It was simple, vulnerable, desperate prayer. Jesus, heal me. I know you can raise the dead, so this is not that hard for you. You may think it can't be that simple, but that was in fact the beginning of my journey of healing. For sure, It was not instantaneous like his miracles in the gospels. I did not know how Jesus would do it, but I prayed and I believed. So I waited. First, he sent a mature single sister in Christ who told me about a Celebrate Recovery Program. The sister shared with me how she overcame some deep insecurities in her life through the CR program at this church. I started going to the Friday meetings. It consisted of 30 minutes of nothing but praising God with our voices. Then a leader would use the 12-step principles and open up the scriptures to affirm how God works in our lives. The other half of the hour, we broke up into small groups where we had the opportunity to share about our personal struggles and victories given the hurt i experienced in my church for the times i've been vulnerable and open about my thoughts and feelings i was afraid that this group will also label me as always critical and negative it took attending a few minute meetings before i was willing to open up to the women in the group the participants came from different christian denominations and were not members of the church I belonged to. At first, it was strange for me to sit in a circle with women who were confessing their weekly struggle with addiction, fits of rage, anxiety, marital problems, and not hear a single word of judgment from any participants. Eventually, this group became my safe place where I could share my thoughts and feelings without judgment and receive God's grace. Around this time, I also found a professional counselor with a Christian background. I had seen professional counselors at various times throughout my 10 years of being depressed. With varying results, I sought help for childhood trauma, primarily abandonment and physical and emotional abuse. I learned through various conversations with professional counselors and reading books like Henry Cloud and John Thompson's Boundaries that I'd never bonded with my parents. This led to emotional inadequacies in my adulthood and has kept me from connecting with anyone in a trusted, intimate way. You see, when I was an infant, my parents hired a nanny to take care of me For the next 10 years, my nanny was the primary adult relationship in my life. I rarely saw my parents who were always preoccupied with our family business seven days of the week. My nanny was my surrogate mother. She took care of my every need, yet she was also emotionally and physically abusive. In the summer before my fourth grade, My nanny decided to leave. It was a relief to no longer be subjected to her abuse, yet it was also the most traumatic event in my young life to lose the only person who I thought cared about me. One day I had an epiphany about the feelings of shame that I carried with me. I realized my belief that I'm a failure because I'm not married and have not accomplished my life goals has led to my depression. I brought this up with my counselor at my next appointment. When she heard me bring up shame, her face lit up with a smile. She picked up a book from her desk. Funny you bring that up. I just ordered this book by Bryn Brown on the very topic of shame. I ordered the book Daring Greatly that same day and started to read about shame. Midstream, as Bryn Brown described how judgment makes us fear vulnerability and cause depression, I realized my biggest critic and the sole source of my deep shame was myself. You see, I took over the role of the adults in my life who criticized me, rejected me, and abandoned me when I was a child. At that moment of realization, I made a decision to accept myself without judgment, to love myself. I started looking up scriptures to help me with my resolution. Love your neighbor as yourself. I was stunned when I read Jesus reminder of the second of the two greatest commandments. This was the first time the phrase, "as yourself, jumped out from my reading of this all too familiar verse. I was always taught to deny myself to love God and others. In fact, among my Christian friends and mentors, I learned that it's selfish to love myself, yet, Here it is in the Bible said by no other than Jesus himself. I need to love myself. In fact, what it implies is that my reference for loving others is my love for myself. How could I have missed that? How could my fellow Christian friends have misinterpreted the scriptures? I realized that I cannot truly love others until I have first loved myself. I realized I was sinning against God when I criticized myself, his creation. I used the analogy of a masterpiece. I wouldn't dare go to the Louvre and criticize how Da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa. Is the Mona Lisa perfect? Not if you ask Da Vinci, but the rest of us mortals have nothing but awe when we behold his masterpiece. Yet, I never thought twice of criticizing God's masterpiece, me. I resolved to learn to love myself the way God loved me. Zephaniah 3, verse 17 became my favorite scripture. The Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. This verse made me see God as my knight in shining armor, always ready to protect me, defend me, and woo me. He doesn't think I'm always negative and critical, He's not judging me, rebuking me for being faithless, selfish, or thinking I'm desperate. He delights in all of me, even my flaws, insecurities, and failures. He desires me. Through Bren Brown's book, I also stopped comparing myself with others. I learned that secrecy, my belief that I'm not loved, because I don't have what others have is a lie from Satan. I started praying every morning for God to open my eyes to see how much he loves me. Slowly, I start seeing the daily blessings, not just the realization that I woke up to live another day kind of blessing, but special things that God would do in my life on a daily basis. In Psalm 5, David prayed in the morning and waited expectantly for God to answer his prayer throughout the day. It became something I looked forward to each day, this blessing and expression of love God had in store for me. Sometimes it was something big Like the day I got a hefty bonus at work. Sometimes it's small, but still special. Like when I got a call from my best friend who lived on the opposite coast to simply let me know how much she loves me. And every night I listed three things I'm grateful for that day. Bryn Brown called them daily gratitudes. Slowly, I start seeing how abundant my life truly is. Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I never dream that my life can be other than in the valley of the shadow of death. Yet, here I am, writing about my journey to joy, a journey that started with a simple, desperate prayer to the one who can heal me. Dear listener, if you are suffering from depression, I pray that you too will find healing from Jesus.